for today. Uh, usually I'll work on a text or whatever a chunk ago, do a bunch of research, read way too many books on it, write a bunch of quotes down, and then I'll go for a, a good walk. And on the walk, God will kind of make sense of what all that was and what I need to share and where I'm just being insecure and I can let go of some, some stuff. And, but at that point, it usually, what I've got sounds like a walk, right? And then I try to make it make sense and I do whatever I do with it. Not that it always makes a lot of sense. I say all that to say, this morning, it's like we're going to go for a walk together. And we're going to wander a little bit. Um, not because I couldn't make it to the next place, but I felt like maybe, maybe some of us need to take a thought and let God speak to us about that thought. Uh, so we're going to go for a little walk together, figuratively. And wherever spirit kind of nudges you or speaks to your heart, go ahead and pay attention to that. And, and then come back and we'll be fine. We'll still be just wandering. And I trust that God has something for us in this, okay? So part of what we're talking about today is, is heaven and eternity and, and, and these big concepts that really matter in our life. And frankly, for a lot of us, I think, uh, how many of us that played a part in us being interested in Jesus? Just the idea of having a ticket stamped for heaven at some point. I know for some, some of us, that's like the lone thing. I just want to know that my seat's reserved. And then we figure out the rest. And for some of us, that, that's one of many things that we're really interested in. A few weeks ago, I went to a Reds game, and there was a troop of people outside reminding everyone of the direction that they were headed if they went to the Reds game, instead of listening to them and whatever they were bullhorning at everyone. And, and they apparently handed out tickets, right? Like They got to punch tickets and tell everyone where they were going. And they were doing it very confidently. And whatever their motivation, uh, and whatever our motivation, a lot of us are motivated somewhat by eternity. And we wanted to know that we had that taken care of, and then we could work on the rest of our lives here on earth. But sometimes we trusted Jesus with the eternity part, and we had no clue what Jesus did for the rest of our life part. It was as if it was our job to work out this life, and then once we expire, then Jesus takes over. I remember thinking about how I understood heaven couldn't be right, right around the time where my dad died. And I had serious questions about heaven at that point. Not so much about whether there was one or not, but about what we did when we got there. Because up till then, my understanding was that it would just be like this e eternal church service. And it would be kind of a somber one. Not like a really like exciting one where everybody's participating, but one where like some white guy like me is just talking to everybody. And everybody's kind of quiet forever. And there would be harps, and for some reason, everyone would be in Roman togas. And we would, like, maybe there's a lot of clouds at, like, waist level. You know, that's kind of what heaven was. And, and I remember, 
I remember thinking that my dad was soon going to eternity and like, wow, he's going to hate that. Like my dad would hate that because I remember growing up, the service he liked to go to was at 8 a.m. and it was like 52 minutes long. And so we would be home by nine so he could go sit in his boat for a few hours before the Vikings game. The service we liked to go to was at 11 because they didn't use the organ and it was more contemporary, meaning they had like, uh, yeah, they had like a keyboard, you know, and they were not tied to 52 minutes. And on communion Sunday, they would be an hour 15. And communion Sunday was once a month, and as an act of rebellion and defiance, my dad would bring a radio and headphones every time we were at the 11 o'clock during the football season. And when the Viking game would start, he would put his headphones on. But remember, this is not now like where you have little earbuds that could sneak in your ear. This is like headphones with the big orange poofy foam things that people hear it when you put them on and they don't even really work. So you kind of hear the radio anyway. So all of a sudden, all of these men would start sitting around us. Because you could not only hear the game, but you could hear the pregame on communion Sundays if we forced dad to go to 11 o'clock service. And if he couldn't handle communion Sunday, how is he going to handle eternity? And how are we going to call that good? Right? Maybe heaven's something more. Maybe eternity's something more. So this actor and comedian, Brett Goldstein, who I knew as Roy Kent on Ted Lasso, he, he's, he has this podcast. And in the podcast, he asks the same questions every single week or however he records it. But he always asks what your favorite thing is, and then he describes heaven as filled with your favorite thing. And people answer, like, my favorite thing is cheese or marshmallows. So then he like, oh, there's furniture made of cheese, which doesn't sound like heaven. But... That's kind of like part of his thing. And it reminded me of this song that I would hear growing up. Let's see how long it takes for you to catch on. The lyrics go, raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Do we know this one? Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. These are a few of my favorite things. Every Christmas day, my grandma, we would go to her house, my grandma and grandpa's, and upstairs they had one of those record players that was bigger than their room but it was only one record in the middle. I don't know what everything else was, but it was massive. Yeah. And every Christmas, there, there would be some, some cookies and some, truthfully, some subpar food, and, and we would go enjoy all of that, and the soundtrack was Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, and that song seemed to be on repeat. Just the favorite things, that song is like part of the soundtrack of my childhood. Not that I sit and listen to Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton that often, but it reminds me of all these times we would eat and laugh together and the, the fondest memories and, and the, the lights on the Christmas tree felt like magical. You know how sometimes Christmas trees lights look like that? Sometimes they look like you, you bought them on discount three years ago and other times they feel like they've got a, a little bit of like Christmas magic in them. That's, that's what grandma's lights were. Now I'm grateful for my favorite things, but what does that have to do with Heaven. What does that have to do with eternity? Eternity 
It's about God, not about copper kettles and cheese. But before we dismiss this too quick, let's sit for a moment. The psalmist writes, taste and see that the Lord is good. What is it that we're to taste? What is it that we're actually supposed to see? Or there's these words that we studied just a few weeks ago in Philippians. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Here Paul is writing about combating this anxiety and fleeting thoughts by living this contemplative life, setting and resetting our hearts and our minds on what is good. Miglior writes that Paul, Paul's call to attend to all excellent and praiseworthy things acknowledges that God is at work not only in the church, but in the whole of creation. So let me ask a very real question that I want, want to invite you to ponder. Where do you experience what is good? In your life, where do you experience that? Even, even for a moment. I had a head start, right? I've been thinking about this for a few days. And Nikki and I were talking this week about, we're not the biggest fans all the time of pork chops, but this week there was this pork chop that had this like mushroom and thyme and garlic butter. And if you got just the perfect bite, like you didn't need another one for days. Like that bite was good. Except then you like take 12 more hoping to get the same bite. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Whatever it is, sometimes you get that bite that's just perfect. I can't help to applaud it a lot of times. Like, oh, that was good right there. That was good. I had this conversation on Thursday where it was actually a spiritual direction conversation where I was the director and, and it's supposed to be about this other person, but afterwards I felt like this conversation opened like this clogged river in me or I just physically felt more alive after a few of the places that we wandered in conversation just brought life to me. it was so good I was in my backyard praying in all of my my feelings and and this two little hummingbirds came out and I I don't know if they were playing or fighting but they were fun to watch. And they just kept coming and play fighting and leaving again and play fighting. And whatever I was stewing on, whatever was furring my brow became a lot less important than these two tiny little birds and wondering how they fly and how they knew those flowers were there and if they were just a gift kind of for me in that moment. In the midst of everything, like, it was just really good right there. It was a good moment. In these moments, I wonder if part of what stands out to us is a glimpse of goodness, but also like a glimpse of eternity. If that's just a taste of what's lasting. Now, I grew up in a way where I thought that I had to sacrifice everything that I saw as good. If it was good, I had to get rid of it. If I loved it, I had, I had to, okay, God, I'm sorry, I loved 
that person or that whatever that is, I'm sorry, as allegiance to you, I give, I give that up. And I don't know that that needs to be our default. If you clearly hear from God, then, like the end of John, then you, you follow. And you go where God's leading, you give up that relationship or that thing or whatever that is. Like, if God's clearly leading, follow that. But maybe what is good, what brings us alive, is what we're invited into. Maybe that's part of the gift. Maybe that's part of God's kindness, as Pastor Kat talked about. Pastor Rob has been reminding me of, of some of Howard Thurman's words. That They're probably words that you're most familiar with from him. He was asked to help someone discern what the next steps were, and he replied, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And I remember having conversations about maturity in Christ, particularly when I was in college and I knew everything. And we always thought that meant that we had to get rid of the things that we liked, that we wanted. I remember talking to somebody who was an outstanding guitarist. And when they played the guitar, they, they just like came alive. And so they quickly got rid of their guitar. Because there's no way God could be in that. I remember talking to my roommate who was a musician as well, freshman year. He was like, Jesus sounds really appealing, but I'm pretty certain the Jesus you talk about would send me as a missionary to another country because I have no desire to do that. What does that say about the Jesus that I was talking about? That we have to go away to prove that we really love Jesus. What does that say about God or about how we're created? Sure, we can have less worthy desires. Sure, we can have things that we call good that are not good, but that's when God's Spirit speaks clearly to us. Now, follow me here, and that's away from those things. But just to assume that every desire, everything that we love, everything that we call good is lesser, that, that doesn't sound like my God. We would talk about dying to self. And that's in Scripture. But we talk about it out of context, and we would talk about it as people who had no idea who our self was yet anyway. And so we took it almost as an invitation to not know who we were, not know how we were created, not know the, the, uh, the deeper places within. The, uh, Thurman talks about the closet that we get to hide in with God. I think, I think it's St. Catherine talks about the, the deep, quiet place within us where the uniqueness of you meets and encounters this good God. We just avoided all that deep work by saying, now we have to die to any idea of self. We assumed that anything about us was bad. And now that I'm a little older, I wonder if those moments when my friend was playing guitar or were we removed by art I wonder if we were experiencing more of life there. A glimpse of eternity. What if what Thurman is talking about, this people coming alive, what if that's maturity? What if we get to do what makes us come alive? What if it's okay to open up to that? What if we pay attention to what is good around us? And what if, as we're paying attention to what's good around us, we expect find God there.
alive, good. And then for all eternity, maybe these are the things that will last. If eternity is is with God, maybe instead of a long church service, it's something else. I mean, I, I think that for me, the long church service with the robes and the clouds comes culturally. We, we get pictures of that. I also think it's, I thought that was the only space I could meet God. The only place I thought I could meet him was at 11 o'clock on Sunday. And I had this constant debate of whether I sit really close to my dad and enjoy the pregame or I distance myself and experience God. And I only had the imagination that that was the place that I could meet God. And the, it was really, I'm telling you, it was really pretty boring. But you, you just deal with what you got, right? But I tend to find God when I'm wandering, when I'm on hikes in nature, when I put particularly a record on, and I move just following the whole act of art by an artist. I find God in the laughter of a friend. Or when Anna comes off the bus and stumbles to me, interrupts me with a hug and some artwork. Those are the moments I find God. So where do you find God? What is that like? What do you feel inside of yourself? And maybe our eternity is just more of that. When I think of my dad, when he was at peace, when he felt whole, when he loved life, is when he was in his boat fishing. And when he wasn't fishing, he would be in his boat in the garage, dreaming of fishing. (laughs) Grown man sitting in a boat in a garage. But maybe that was his way of aching. Maybe that's what he knew. And maybe there's space for that in his eternity. I didn't want to give this sermon at all because I know that some of us are, are handing over people that we love to eternity right now. I know that recently in this community, we've lost members of our family, our friends, people that we love deeply. Others of us are preparing to let go of people. So I didn't want to talk about this because I don't want it to just be sad. But I don't think it is just sad. I think it's more than that. And I think sometimes we call deep sad, and I think this is just deeper stuff. As some of us have handed over the, those we love for eternity or are preparing to do so, maybe we find peace in this. God is the source of goodness in life. So these people that we love are surrounded with all that is good and all that brings life and the revealed, awe-inspiring presence of God. And now we get to live out our days. And as we do it, may we live them not on hold, not assuming that just suffering and struggle is the only part of our story. That is our story, but that's not our whole story. May we engage in the things that last. May we notice that God is whispering through the good things in our day. And we see God smiling as we come alive in the presence of God around us. And the common things that we taste and we see. 
just a moment, we're going to have a chance to talk about this together. But first, let's, let's go through one of these common things together. If you don't have a communion cup, they're, they're coming to you. 